I'm Kelly Harrell, author, animist, and creator of the Weekly Rune. Solentent Arts is my soul-tending practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, actionable animism, soul-tending, and how all of those intersect through sacred activism on my path. The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not sure what it is, it's a runecast that I've done for years, focused on the runic calendar and the current half-month rune. The Weekly Rune is now available in full on Patreon.com. Just do a search for Kelly Harrell to find it, and you can find the archive of all past runecasts on my site, soulintentarts.com. If you're not sure what a half-month is or what the runic calendar is, Listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the weekly rune. It's explained fully at the beginning of every runecast. Thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast, to those who send notes and share their experiences of the runes. That's what it's all about, and I'm grateful for the engagement. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the podcast and the RuneCast possible with their financial support. If you've benefited from the RuneCast, the podcast, or the ton of free articles on the runes, animism, and soul tending on my website, you can show your support through buying my books, which you can find at soulintentarts.com or Amazon, by making a one-time contribution through PayPal or Square, or by contributing regularly through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and search for Kelly Harrell. You can also subscribe to the paid version of the Weekly Rune there, and thank you for it. This episode's half-month rune is Iwas, and Iwas is the rune of poison medicine. I say that all together because it kind of is. I call it the homeopathic rune. When administered with knowledge and in the right amounts, it's beneficial. Though too much of it or not given the right way, and it's poisonous, it's lethal. And isn't that the case with all medicine, really? Historically, what we know about Iowa's carries this nature of life and death, death, rebirth, The point where extremes meet, things that seem paradoxical yet also have this this overlap where they're kind of sort of the same thing. They occupy the same space for a bit, yet are different, shared, distinct, all at once. I think that's the hardest quality of Iwas for us to hold, that it's all of that at one time. We kind of want to parse out aspects of it and greet them sequentially, and that's just not how Iowa's works. And when we venture into that kind of, that non-binary, non-dualistic, is that a word? Am I making that up? That, That territory, what we're really talking about is the dwelling place of the liminal. Liminal means something that's transitional. It, it means a holding space that is all aspects of that space, yet it's marked by a boundary or some kind of threshold where nuance of that thing exists. It's where edges meet. And I want to talk about what that looks like in animistic being 
and how we deal with that non-defined exact state. So hang with me for a minute. One way that I most see this quality come up for people who are actively wanting to live more animistic lives is when, uh, drum roll, when it stops being easy to do so. When we first venture into any change, we're grumbly about it. But humans are nothing if not adaptable. With continuity, we get in a groove pretty quickly and pretty well. So when I work with folks around becoming more animistic, it often looks like more walks in nature, frequent reminders that everything is alive, maybe even open communication with the space around us, kind of, sort of, akin to ecstatic trance, or some other clear feedback communication that is open engagement with the immediate animistic network. For those of you who haven't heard me use that phrase before, immediate animistic network means the souls of the space where you live, literally the spiritual presences that make up where you spend most of your time, the the spirit of your house, maybe even of each room, the culture the and the human people community, the nature beings, the land elders, and maybe even for the whole region where you live, like, like if you, you know, where you live, it's immediate because this is your stomping grounds. And we aren't built with the spoons to deal with everybody else's stomping grounds. We have the spoons for our own. And you can see this in historic accounts of tribal soul tenders. They pretty much stuck to their own territory unless or until a fellow soul tender from a neighboring region asked for help. And we have this historic concept of like all shamanic communities were warring. They were territorial factions. Maybe, I don't know, but I can say that they each had their hands full tending their own spiritual shit, by which I mean tending their own animistic networks. And of course, that means that there are many such networks. Like if we're each kind of living in our own, which begs the question, is your neighbor in the same animistic network? I was. Yeah, he is, but he isn't. So there are many immediate animistic networks. We each hold down a a unique relationship to those networks. And all of those smaller networks make up bigger ones, which make up a cultural one or cultural ones, a planetary one, a galactic one. You can keep going with that until your head absolutely bursts trying to hold it all. But again, we're not built to hold it all. We don't have to hold it all. We're not supposed to. We are only responsible for the animistic network that's around us and and what we decide within our own purview, we're going to take care of. So that network might be bigger for some people than others, but we're not built to hold it all any more than we're built to hold the animistic network for Mars. You know, maybe part of your calling is to do that. I don't know. It's different for different people, but my point is, You tend what you tend. And that's the starting point of all animistic studies and mentoring with me, coming to understand what that network is 
and how to engage it ongoing. And it seems pretty easy at first, you know, I lead people through this exploration of it, the spiritual relationships, you know, how they bridge into beyond earth soul relationships. And that can go as far as the imaginal self can stretch. But what's the one glaring animistic network that we've not talked about? The one within. We don't talk about ourselves as a network, as a collective. And here's where I get all confessional and say that I've never identified as an individual. I came into this world knowing that I was a collective. And I kind of kept that to myself. But I'm pretty sure that, that that has in part been at least a factor in why I don't identify with gender or orientation. I don't identify with being an individual. And I think it's also partly why trance is really easy for me. Whole other subject. But when you, when you are aware of yourself as a collective, it makes communicating with greater collectives, greater understandings of collective easier. So, you know, in, in that way that, that I was kind of where things meet way, and that's why I say animism is where you stand. It isn't outside you. It isn't in Nebraska or some jungle that seems more exotic than Nebraska. It's at your mailbox. It's in your backyard, your refrigerator, your bed, your skin. And it's also why I'm careful to say animism among or soul tending among rather than with. Because when we say with, we're still emphasizing the edges, which might be okay in some, in some contexts. Most of the time, we culturally say edges as division. So when I say animism among, we are the edges, and we're everything in between them. We naturally, truly are I was. So what? Okay. Yes, I'm a soul actively engaged with the spirits among me. I'm, I'm doing all the things. I'm doing the nature walks. I'm, I'm, I'm doing trance work and all that stuff. And, you know, that's only part of it. And it's really the part that you, that you hear about. Like people, people really emphasize spiritual relationship when it's reaching out. We don't talk about spiritual relationship reaching within. It's like it's this only an outward facing experience. But the thing is, and we all know this, if you've ever read a relationship tweet in your life, the external is only as healthy as the internal and vice versa. It's all connected. This is the crux of forgiveness rituals and reconciliation rituals, realizing that it, it's all connected. We're all part of it. And we can't just focus on one part of it. We have to hold it all. Not in this overwhelming, oh my God, the world is on my shoulders sort of way, but in the this the world that is me, the world that is the collective of me is absolutely on my shoulders and no one else's. And I am responsible for holding it all. We have to, I was animism in that way, and that's where it falls apart for most people. 
people come to me and they want to be better animists. They want to learn how to carry an animistic awareness through everyday life. And we all struggle with that in the West. It isn't like only certain people do. It's, it's a valid thing to want to learn that. But once we have it, once we get it and we're doing the walks and the birds are talking to us specifically, once the shiny of that wears off, and it will, when our rituals start not to work, when our guides just stare back at us with blank expressions, when we stop feeling the inspiration, it's because we have to address the internal community, the system that makes up you. And that's where we scare the shit out of ourselves. Most people are more satisfied with the stalemate of the way it originally flowed spiritually not working. We're, we're more okay with that boredom than we are with facing ourselves. For most people, their greatest fear in facing themselves is that they're going to learn something they don't want to know. That's huge. We would rather sit with boredom than risk learning something about ourselves. But that's where the stagnation happens. That's, you know, that that isn't external. That is an internal thing that we have to deal with. And we have not been taught the skills to do that. Colonized culture doesn't want us to do that. We haven't been taught it. So when we arrive at animism, which is inherently decolonized when we get there we're feeling alive in the trees and dancing with our ancestors we think that's it and we think it's going to stay that way forever and and we have arrived i'm not saying that we haven't when we get to that i'm not saying that it's fake i'm saying that it's temporary it's layer one ready layer one okay anyway so this is why the first layer stuff is easy But then our rituals do stop working. Our cosmology dulls, or even better, it leaves. It literally packs up its toys and leaves our soul space. And we think, I'm a failure. We think, shame, what have I done? I broke my spiritual path. We think, um, they hate me. (laughs) And this is usually when people think that animism has failed them, it's when they revert back to a former belief system that has guardrails and training wheels because none of that exists in animism. It is all about direct personal relationship and we don't have step-by-step instructions for that. Except that I do think there are step-by-step instructions. We just lost the elders who knew them. If you take anything away from this episode, let it be this. When your shit stalls, it's because you're lacking a skill or information. And the more you light that candle, the more you pressure that ancestor, the more you shame yourself for not having that skill or information will not make it come. You will have to step out of your comfort zone and go to someone who has more education about what you need than you do so that you can get what's needed and get back in the game because it is possible to do that. When you stalemate in your spiritual path, in your animism relationships, 
It means there's something you don't have inside. It does not mean you can't get it. It means you have to find somebody who can help you get it. The person with the skill set to help you get it. It may be a therapist. It may be soul tending. It may be something. It, it could be even at a physical health level. The point is that you understand that as the flag that it is, that continuing to do the same thing is not going to suddenly result in an opening. My note in this episode, that the memo from I was, is to sit between, be willing to sit in that unknown betwixt space. And the most profound liminal space you will ever explore is inside you. And it will require skills and rituals and boundaries and a dream team of folks who have knowledge that you don't. That's what it takes to sustain the passion and inspiration and in order for the external relationships to grow and mature. It is what creates true reciprocity. You have to be able to bring something to the party. You can't just show up with your hands open all the time. And this is why... In Runic Book of Days, I said the challenge of Iwas is to stand in the true self ongoing, because that's what it is. Your, your true self is your greatest authority that is you. And so when you're standing with that part of you, and that's the part of you that you're bringing into all these animistic relationships, you will be met likewise. It's the challenge of your life, and it can be done it's just not very likely that you will do it without exploring the edges and without help. And that's why the half-month affirmation for Iwas is, for initiation, I risk who I am to myself. Doesn't mean you have to throw away who you are. Doesn't mean that who you are can't work in what you need to have happen. And it doesn't mean you have to become something else. It just means you're willing to take the risk. You're willing to put yourself out there and ask the question so that you'll know yourself for sure over and over. 